Time now for AliCast, a deep dive into innovative and emerging trends in e-commerce, online payments, and digital entertainment. Brought to you by Alibaba Group, we'll offer insights about Chinese consumers and brands doing business in China. We'll delve into global online retail, cloud computing, big data, and other must-know topics and issues in and around one of China's largest companies. I'm Adam Najberg. Imagine this. You're a small U.S. handbag maker at a small trade show. You're trying to get noticed by the big stores and their buyers. Then you meet someone walking the floor who offers you access to a platform with several hundred million potential customers. And those customers interact with you real-time, online, via video, and they love your products. That's the story of Weldon, a brand that's taking off on Alibaba's Taobao Global platform. The story's a bit more involved than that, of course, but here to talk us through what she hopes is a bags-to-riches tale is a woman behind Weldon, Sandy Friesen. Welcome to Hong Kong. Thanks. So, Sandy, can we start? I want to ask you about yourself. Tell us about how you got into the fashion and accessory business in the first place. Sure. So I, in college, actually, I started my degree as a coder, as a computer coder, and I had a fashion elective, and I quickly fell in love with fashion well over computer coding. Um, and so I got my degree in fashion merchandising, and I knew I wanted to move to New York. And so as soon as I graduated, I moved to the city and tried to make it big. My first job was with Calvin Klein, and so I worked with Calvin Klein for about three years, and I got an opportunity to move to Coach. And they had just sold off from Sarah Lee, and they offered me the fifth development, basically position in the company. So, I moved over to Coach and fell in love with handbags. And basically, I learned everything from construction to development. I learned. I went to Italy and I inspected leather. I met all the tanneries, and it was just an amazing opportunity. I worked at Coach for about three years, and I decided I needed a break. I moved over to Italy, and I came back. And helped launch Banana Republic accessories, handbags specifically, and so I get to got to continue my love of handbags, kind of explore shoes a little bit, and then the the head designer moved over to Kate Spade and asked me if I would like to come along too. So I moved to Kate Spade and I worked there for about five years. Loved it. Got to travel the world. Got to learn new different things. And then I I had a son, and the the job became much too demanding for me to be able to do. But I knew I didn't want to say goodbye to the work world, and so I decided to launch my own basically consulting company. And so I started working to help apparel companies get into the handbag industry. And during that time, I kept in contact with a lot of the factories and tanneries that I had worked with. And the well approached me to. Say hey, would you like to come and do something for us? So I came over to Hong Kong and China, and I was working with them on various different projects. And they asked me, "Would you like to help launch your own line of handbags?" And I loved that idea. You know, it was not necessarily something I was thinking of, but I had that passion and that desire, and I was always really, really drawn to handwoven products. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, how it started. I was in. They have this beautiful space called Into the White, and they have archives from basically from the 1960s, and it's all these. Beautiful woven panels. It's something that they're known for. They really believe in that craft and that handwoven and something different. And so I just started playing in in their space uh, with all the different handwovens. And one thing that I was really drawn to always was the hexagon. And so you know they had you know, different micro ones, and I started playing around with 
with with size and and enlarged it and I you know I fell in love with with that because at that point in my life I had just left corporate America I was starting something out on my own I had just had my son and you know I was a a new newly married and it was like all these different parts of my my life were coming together and what I loved about the hexagon is it takes three parts to become one and so one thing I loved about it was this woven storytelling idea and when you really look at out in the market there's not a lot of hand woven product and so I thought you know this is something new and different and could be a Amazing. Right, but it's a big leap. If we could step back yeah, for a second, sorry. it's <laughs> a big leap to go from you. You had jobs that some people dream of having, and then you had all these this great web of contacts, and you used it to help others get in. What's the thought process behind that? It's pretty dangerous. Like you had a really good track going. Everything was pretty good, safe, secure, big names, well known, your reputation, and then suddenly you have to become a brand yourself. How did you make that leap? You know, it it was a huge leap of faith, and I couldn't have done it without the backing of the factory and really, they they knew me for years, you know, and they had really a belief in me, and I knew I had it in myself, but I think I was very fortunate, you know, I think the stars aligned where... After years of being in the business, I created these amazing relationships specifically with the well and that they believed in me to say, let's try this. This could be amazing. So I think I was fortunate in that regard. And I was also fortunate in my home life that, you know, my husband was like, you know, you've done this for years for so many people. You're so passionate about this. This is your time. Take that chance. But now let's talk more deeply about the hexagon because it feels to me as if you kind of knew going into this that you had to have something special, different, unique. Is that what makes your line unique? Look in the marketplace right now. If you look at any brand and they're amazing brands, you don't really know who is who unless you look at the label. And and so... I wanted to make sure that it was something unique. It had its own DNA that when you looked at it, it looked different, you know. So the hand-woven bit was really important to me because the society right now or the market is all this mass manufacturing things, and there is such a beauty in the make of a product, you know, and I think we're walking away from that. But when you're really in a factory and you're watching people and the, the craft and the artisan behind it, I thought that was really important and there's a story there. And so I really wanted that hand-woven aspect of it. If I'm in the United States, where and how can I buy one of your bags? So we're in Nordstrom's and we're also in ShopUp. And then we're about 20 small boutiques across the U.S. And we have our own website. Small brand, started up 2015. How on earth did you end up selling to China just a couple of years after you get started? I really still believe the stars aligned. I mean, we... We didn't pick China, you know, it kind of picked us, which was amazing. So we did a small trade show. It was our first trade show ever, no idea what to expect. Um, And Mark and Zoe were walking the show. They walked by the booth. Who were Mark and Zoe? Oh, sorry, Mark and Zoe. um, They're our agents that have helped us branch into China. They own a company called NLUX, and it basically does live streaming to China. So they have about, I think they've worked with about 300 brands. Oh, Taobao Global Agent. Yes, thank you. (laughs) I understand, yes. That makes a lot of sense. So so you were at a show, they were at the same show, and the rest is history, or what happened? Well, they walked by like eight times, and finally we 
we grabbed them and were like, you're obviously interested. Why don't we tell you a little bit about us? And so they told us about this whole live streaming. Can we have a couple bags? Let's test it, see how it goes. It sounded kind of sketchy, to be honest. When was this? <laughs> this was back in September, late September. 2017. 2017. Wow, very recent. Oh, yeah. This has gone so fast. It's crazy. So it sounded a little sketchy, but obviously it wasn't. What, what happened after you got over the initial concerns? Well, they're like, just send me a couple bags and we're going to put it on this live stream and see if the customers even like it. I've never even heard of anything like this. You know, we're used to just, here's your PO, we ship you the product, it goes in a store and it's, you know, we hope it sells. This was, you know, we're going to send a couple of bags to a location. They're going to put it basically on a live cast and see how the customers react. So I didn't even go to the first one. I sent them about 20 bags, and they put it on for an hour, and they write me a PO for 100 bags. So, okay, that's amazing, 100 bags in an hour. So You sold 100 bags in an hour from the live stream. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Before something like this happened, would it have ever occurred to you to sell to China? Or when you go into the trade show, you were just looking for, what, pick up from more U.S. stores? More or? U.S. Our focus was really U.S. I mean, yes, I know the China market, but it, I also understand how scary it is to get in. And it's very complicated to get into the China market. So it's something that we would be hopeful maybe in 5, 10 years from now. But we were really focusing on the U.S. and possibly Canada. So before you met Mark and Zoe, it was pretty intimidating to you to think about getting into China. You knew about it from your years of being in the business, obviously, but yeah. how to get into it was never really clear. There's no blueprint out there or anything. I mean, there might be, but I never looked for it. I just, it, it, it sounds scary. So that yeah, wasn't on our radar. I, I'm very curious about this live streaming video. I've heard this from other companies as well. You said it never would have occurred to you or you didn't really know this kind of thing was going on. Can you talk us through the process, a little bit of detail about how the live streaming worked, the ones at least that you were involved in, involved in planning or involved in by being on? So Mark and Zoe are really great in terms of pre-planning. And so they put some sort of PR out there. It's hard for me to see because it's all connected to a Chinese bank. So I'm seeing it basically through their eyes. But they do a lot of PR, get you know basically getting our name out there. We set up a showroom or in some cases, my home. Your home. <laughs> my home. This took place in your house. Yeah, one of the, the live streams took place in my house. So, and I think it was nice because they got to see, we're not a big brand. You know, it's happening a lot for my home where I live and it gives them kind of an inside view of who I am and where I live and, you know. What did they do? They bring in a video crew and set up no, lights or how did it work? They brought in lights, but they did it all from their phone. So high tech, low tech. Yeah. It was, it was, or low tech, high tech. I don't know exactly Literally what they call it. Literally, their phone. And you're on the air. Yep. Yep. And so then they basically they go live, and people start coming in, you know, and joining basically the group, and you start seeing comments. People can call in and ask questions. We had somebody sing opera to us. We had people come in and, and show product that they've purchased before and they're kissing our bags and blowing us kisses and sending comments so basically how it works and what's so different about it is that you're set up in a showroom and you start showcasing the line so somebody might call in or send a text or a comment can you go get that bag in the corner can you put it on open it up how much capacity is in it can you put your phone in it so you you're really showing them the product, but you're also telling the story in, in your own way, which is 
really nice. You're controlling your brand. You know, when you put it on a shelf somewhere else, it's basically your bag sitting here. Here, you're telling, they're seeing me. You know, they're asking me what's my favorite. They're, the creator of the, yeah. of the line. So it's really interactive. And you're getting at one point, at the last one, we had 35,000 people. So you're, the exposure is amazing. And you're also seeing, well, what are they drawn to? You know, it's, you can see the winners and ones that are, are kind of slower moving. So what about the winners and the other ones? What kind of feedback were you getting? And you're right there. You're hearing it live or seeing it live. What were they feeding back to you? Everything red. Everything <laughs> red? What do you mean? So, I mean, my style and, and basically the line was a little bit more muted. And we had a couple, of, um, it's called lipstick. It was a red color and it was just a couple of shapes. And every bag we picked up, can you do it in red? Can you make it in lipstick? You know, so I, the color, you know, has really been doing these have been it's really helped us move on so they wanted this one bag in red and a wallet in red and we were able to chase into that product for them and two months later we were able to ship them the bags that they wanted so it's really been you know informative in terms of color or even shape or size they're drawn to the smaller shapes of course so that really changes the the product cycle for you doesn't it if you're selling to nordstrom they're going to pretty much look at what you have, buy what you have if they like it, or another store, not just Nordstrom, but you know that product cycle is what, seasonal? Yes. And here, how do you feel about changing your entire product cycle for a brand new market? It's not a complete reboot of it, but it's, it's definitely helping us, you know, because again, you're, you're showing Nordstrom's or ShopBop or whoever it may be, your line, and you're making guesses what the customer might want in five, six months, you know, where the trend is going. With this, you're getting live feedback from customers, you know, and you're able to make some changes. For this one, it we were lucky. You know, we were right in production. We were making more product. They wanted one size and one shape in this color. We were able to move things around and they were willing to wait two, three months to get the product because they loved it that much. They paid up front for they it. They paid up front and for waited it. two months. Yeah. I, I find it hard to believe an American we were shocked. Sh- we were shopper would, would yeah. do that, but Chinese shoppers are willing to do that. Yeah. So that was really amazing. And then the other thing that we've been able to do again with Mark and Zoe, because we now have a relationship with them is we might do a, sn- a sneak peek. So we did a sneak peek for fall holiday before we bought the product. And so it helped us gauge our inventory and how we were going to buy into things, which is amazing because no small brand or any brand wants to sit on inventory. That's not moving. on that inventory management issue. When you were doing the live stream, did you actually see what was selling? Yeah, so they have a computer set up, and we put our inventory in ahead of time, and then we can see. It's amazing. It's like we're QVC. The, yeah, it is a little bit like you're sitting QVC. in the living room, and the QVC numbers are, yeah. are your sales but numbers are ticking up. I think that's part of you know buy now or else it might sell out because when we did, we weren't we're a small brand. We didn't have the inventory, so we were selling out of our inventory, which was crazy. They actually bought spring product and sold me out of spring product in November, and I wasn't shipping it until December. So I sold out of certain shapes before. Well, it was in production. So can I ask, how many bags did you have to sell for the stream that you were involved in? You were also the model, the bag model as well, <laughs> opening the bags, wearing the bags. There's a couple of us, yes. Yeah. So how many bags did you have to sell during that live stream? Did you sell all of them? Well, we didn't sell everything because, again, like 
we've realized we were in the wrong inventory. So we had a lot of bigger shapes. They were going for the smaller ones, a lot of more pop color. We didn't have expectations. Mark and Zoe did. They were hoping to sell, I forget the number, I can go back and look, X amount you know, throughout the day, and they sold that within the first 15 minutes. And oh. so it completely blew our expectations. We had no idea going into it. You and know? then you, you were the additional side of it was you were getting the feedback about what people wanted and kind of thinking about how you could get that to them. Were, right. were they buying? I, I don't know. How did it work with someone said, oh, could you make that bag in, in lipstick? Did you say yes immediately or how, how did it work? I didn't say yes immediately because I had to check to make sure I could really execute on it. But we were able to follow up really quickly and then... In the next one that we did, the live video that we did with Alibaba, we did show the product, you know, and say it's here and it's on its way. You so, asked for it. Yeah, you and got here it. Here it is. Have <laughs> it your way. Is this to you, if you had to sell that number of bags in the United States in your home market, how long would it take? I'm assuming longer than, you know, 15 minutes or something. It took me four months. Well, four months to sell the same number of bags through the distribution distribution channels you have right now. Mm-hmm. So that must have caught your attention. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> Were they also interested in you? Yes. What did they want to know? I, I'm prying into your life right yeah. now too, but <laughs> were they prying more than I was prying? What did they want to know about you? Most of them wanted to know where I worked before and why. Why the hexagon, why I got into it, why the name, you know, so you're able to tell your story, which, you know, in in more than a paragraph, which is nice because a paragraph is really hard (laughs) to shorten, you know, a whole career, the whole brand into. So what's your sense for the Chinese customers about why they like your bags? And I'm asking this because they have so many options. It's a hyper, hyper competitive market. And as good as your bags are and as well received as they are, there are still a lot of choices out there. What is tipping them over to you, do you think? We get the constant feedback that it's unique, that when you wear it, you know exactly what brand it is because we stand by this woven hexagon and it's well-made. There's not a lot of, in terms of bells and whistles, hardware. It's just beautiful material beautiful craft and its signature so I think that's why they're drawn to us but also they get to see us you know and I think that's a little bit more unique and original than just finding something on the internet that it's interactive so I think it's helping us get our brand awareness out there and also our story Um, so that's why I think we're the stereotype of Chinese shoppers especially a younger demographic is very brand conscious and What's a little bit surprising here is, yes, you're a brand, but you're not a well-known brand or a big brand. You're a very young brand as well. Do you think that that notion of what Chinese shoppers are going for is changing when you see what's happening with their warmth toward your product? I hope so. I mean, I know that they love brand names, but they also really like how it's made and the quality of it. So... And I, the partnership has also been amazing. You know, I, I do think that this live, you said QVC, but it's almost like a famous blogger, if you will. You know, these, basically these agents, as you call them, they're very fashion forward, you know, and they have following. It's almost like a, a blogger, you know, how we have in the U.S., where it's, they trust these people. You know, they trust that they're bringing new brands with quality to the market, you know, so I 
I, and I think some of the Chinese are looking for new and unique things. So it's not like you're wearing the same bag as everybody else. So what are the things that, that you notice that they appreciate besides the fact that they like red? <laughs> um, convertible. Everything has to be convertible, multifunction. Everything has to be removable, straps. They want to be able to wear it in different ways. How they're even sending pictures back it was not even how I thought a bag could be worn. You know, they're, they're definitely more fashion forward than I ever thought. And it seems to be paying off for you. Or is it, you know, in terms of what you're able to sell these bags for, are you hitting your expectations? Are you exceeding your expectations? When we launched in 2015, our strategy was direct to consumer because, again, going back to where I came from, if you wanted to do handwoven, it was either really expensive or you had to downgrade your material. So those two things were really important that I didn't want to. And the bags are relatively expensive, but not in comparison to what else is out there. So I wanted quality and I wanted it to be this handwoven bit and I wanted it to be affordable. So when we went wholesale, was it a little bit of a hit? Yes, but we keep our overhead very, very lean. So could it be better? Yes, but that wasn't our strategy. We didn't want to make these bags. We wanted people to be able to afford them. We wanted the quality to be there. We wanted to use beautiful materials. So has it, has it been a struggle? A little bit, but I think that's why we're seeing success and why people are drawn to us because this, these bags aren't $1,000. If you were to go anywhere else, they'd be double the price. We're keeping our overhead lean, um, and we're trying to to do it that way. What are they retailing for in the States? So $195 is our opening, but that's a wallet or a small bag, and then we cap out tote bags for about five ninety five. And the things that you're making for the China market, where are they at? They're the same. How do you actually get paid in this relationship? So in the United States, let's say you sell to a store. You're in a wholesale relationship with mm-hmm. them. They, they agree to buy a certain number of bags at a certain price, and you're fine with that. You know, It meets your, your price, and then they sell at a retail price. How does it work when you're selling online through Taobao Global, for example? It's actually quite amazing. So we do the event. They write me a PO. We ship the PO within a week, and we normally get paid within that, that following week. So the payment terms are quite short, and then our agents take care of shipping it back to China, and they collect on the, the customer front. So it's really seamless for me. So you have a wholesale relationship with the Taobao Global agents, Correct. and then, like you would with the store in the United States, but you get paid, sounds like, probably faster than you get paid yes. with the store in the United yes. States. And then they're taking care of all the import-export stuff, duties. And it also sounds, I mean, basically from what you're saying that they're dealing with a lot of the marketing as well. You're involved in it, obviously, because you seem to be part of the success story for your brand. They want to know about you. So the relationship that you have with Mark and Zoe, how would you describe it? It doesn't sound like a typical wholesale relationship. No, it's not. I mean, at first, kind of, but now it's become a partnership and a friendship almost. You know, they've been in my home, I've been in their home. You know, it's we're doing this together. We're, you know, they are guiding me because they know this market. They've been in this market, and so they're they're basically a great partnership to get us on this platform. But what's nice is going this way. We're testing the market first, so we're seeing where the interest is, and we're finding there's a great interest. And so it's making us change the way we do our business. You know, how do we get here faster? You know, um, but we couldn't have done this without Mark and Zoe. They've been amazing partners for us. You know, they're willing to try things. They're willing to continue to do it because I think they also believe in it and they, they love the brand, you know, as almost as much as I do. 
And it sounds like from what you're saying, they're invested in your success as well. Yes. So. Yes. This has been a pretty fortuitous opportunity for you in China. Is that changing your business plans, how you're thinking about the future for Weldon? Yeah, I mean, again, it's so quick. This happened in September, and, you know, it's March, and I'm sitting here with you. So, you know, we're, we're moving as fast as, I guess, the China market is. So we're learning as we go. But, yes, it's, it's changing. How do we basically... Is changing my design process, you know, smaller bags, more detachable straps, convertible, brighter colors. You know, I'm here this week looking at new materials, colors, and, and figuring out new and different ways to, to make bags going forward. So, yeah, I can't wait to see what's next. Well, what is next? Could China become a bigger market for you than the U.S.? Well, Mark and Zoe keep pushing me to say, yeah, I have to be just as big in the U.S., but, you know, how it's working right now, it's going so fast. You know, we're excited. We have a lot of great partnerships coming in 2018 for Weldon in the U.S., which I think I can't share yet, but it's going to definitely boost brand awareness and help us in the China market. You know, we're continuing to try to find strong partnerships in the U.S., but yeah, I, I think China will surpass the U.S. I think there's just a hunger for it and a, a demand, and it's, it's exciting. Last thing I want to ask you is knowing what you know now, the experience that you've been through in this compressed time period, what would you advise other small brands and designers and businesses who want to sell to China? I say take a risk and try it. Find a right agent or partner and and really go for it. I mean, it's an exploding market. It's such a positive market and I couldn't ask for a better platform to be on. It's been such a positive experience. I wish I would have found it sooner. Sandy, thank you very much. Really appreciate your being here. And I hope we have a chance to talk again. And good luck to you, Sandy. Thank you. You've been listening to AliCast, a regular podcast from the Alibaba Group. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Adam Najberg. Adam Najberg.